Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Oh, amen. Go ahead. Have a seat. And uh, it is great to be outside. Fantastic to be together. What could be better than what we're doing right now, right? I mean, here we are. It's outside. It's beautiful weather. We're enjoying communion together, fellowship together. We got the band back together again, sort of. <laughs> it's on its way anyway. Hold on a second. That's all right. So we got the band back together again. We're trying to get that going. And... As if that wasn't enough, right? So I think that would all be enough. As if that wasn't enough, we've got snappy dogs set up over here on the side. So there you go. They're happy as can be. So after you're done, go over and get yourself a snappy dog. I know I'm getting one, or maybe a couple at least. And there may even be an ice cream truck rolling by here later today too, so the kids will be excited about that. So it's going to be a fantastic day. I want to ask you a question. What would you say are your, your top concerns in life, the things that you think about the most. And I know that we're all at different stages and different ages and different phases of life. So if you're 12 or 10 or 15, your top concerns might not be the same as somebody that's 50, 60, 70, and anywhere in between, right? So we all have different things that we, we concern ourselves with depending on where we are in life. But I think there are a few things that are pretty universal that we all have on our minds. Your health, right? So your physical health, you want to be fit, you want to be in shape, your emotional health, your mental health, we want to have all of our wits about us, we want to be well adjusted, we want to be happy, so, so that's probably on your mind. Maybe financial security, right? So you want to make sure, hey, do I have enough money to pay my bills, you know, get the things that I need for life? That's a big concern for a lot of people, and many people worry about that. Close family relationships. So we want to be close to our, our spouses, our kids, uh, extended family. We want to make sure that, that that's all tight and good. And that's a very stressful thing for a lot of people. We want real relationships and friendships, right? So we want people that we can trust in our lives. So you've got your family. That's great. Amen for that. But you want to know, hey, I've got you know men and women that, that I can call on, that I can get with, that I can talk to when things are really in, in a bad place. We want the confidence of being treated fairly and equally in this world. That everyone, regardless of, of who they are or where they are, will have equal opportunity for peace and success and justice and growth and security. So that's ever-present on the minds of all of us. And then with all that, we want a sense of purpose. We want a sense of meaning. We want to know, why am I here? Is it to eat, sleep, go to work? Repeat, or is there a reason why I'm in this planet, on this planet, in this life? Now, if these are things that you think about, or maybe even some of these things, things that you lose sleep over, then you're not alone. Because not only do we all share these concerns in life, but God is well aware of every single one of them. There's not a part of your life that God doesn't see and that God doesn't know about. 
But not only is God just aware, like, oh, I get it. I see what you're going through. God is very much concerned and wants to make sure that the things that, that we worry about, the things that are important, that God paves a way for us to be okay with those things. And so he gives us a way to face all the stress, all the concerns, all the worries of life. He gives us a way that, that not a lot of people in this world have. And we have it through Jesus. And I appreciate it so much what Kofi said. We get it through Jesus. There are two facts known. We have issues. Right, that's a fact. If you don't have any issues in the world, I really want to talk to you later. Because I want to know, how do you get away with that? How do you do that? But I don't think I'll meet that person. We all have issues. But the second fact is that Jesus has solutions for whatever it is that might be going on in your life. So what we need to do then is what? Bring these two together. I've got my issues, but I know Jesus has the answers. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the heart and the need to have the heart engaged the way that Jesus did, right? So we looked at the two bookends, remember that? It was, there was grace on one side and truth on the other, and then all the, the great loving attributes of Jesus were all in the middle. But anchoring this love of Christ was on one side grace, that he loves us so much that he extends a tremendous amount of mercy and forgiveness, and he gives us a pass on so many things. And then he, he tells us, do the same thing with each other. Okay, love each other deeply, but please have a lot of grace with each other. But then on the other end, so that we don't abuse the grace, the other anchor, the other bookend was truth. That we don't want to cheap grace. So we have to look at things truthfully and honestly and be able to, to, be able to, to address everything in life and each other truthfully. Jesus was passionate about both of those things because the heart is where passion is found. And the heart prompts us to act. But there's something that prompts the heart is what I want to look at today. It's the mind. Your mind is an amazing thing. Think about it. Input comes into your mind, right? And it goes straight into your mind through what? Your ears and your eyes. Have you ever noticed the way God set up the human body? It's like your, your mind is right behind your eyes and your ears. So it's like a direct path. We take in so much going on around us. It doesn't have to go through your foot and then up your leg and then through your arm. It's like you see something, it goes right into your mind. You hear something, it goes right into your mind. We witness life around us. We take in so much. And the, the, the mind processes all that input. And then it sends a message 18 inches down to your heart. I know not physically, but metaphorically, it goes down into your heart. So in other words, what comes into your mind causes us to think, but then we go beyond that. It tells us how we feel about things. So your mind not only processes data in a pragmatic, logical sort of way, but it also signals your heart, how do I feel about that? What's important and what's not? What should I be worried about? And what maybe should I worry a little bit about? What should I be afraid of and what should I not have any fears at all about? Where am I insecure and where am I confident? And how we think about things in terms of your heart and your mind working together are so important because where you set your mind is ultimately where your heart will follow, right? I mean, isn't that true? We follow through with things passionately after they enter our mind and it stirs an interest. So today we're going to take a look at the mind of Christ. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Some of these you don't have to turn to. I know it's, I can't put it up on a screen here, right? So you got to just stay with me. But Colossians 3, and uh, we're going to look at verse 1. Paul says, since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, if you're a Christian, and I don't know everybody out here, so I'll make a big assumption here. If you're a Christian, not just in name, but have, have taken on the likeness of Christ, and, and you consider your life now hidden with Christ, then there's something very powerful going on inside you right now as we speak. There's a continual transformation of the heart and the mind. And Paul tells us in this scripture two very important things. He says, one, set your hearts on things above. So we've already talked about that, right? It's where your passion should be. Our passion should be where, where Christ's are. But then he says, set your minds on things above. So it's not just how we feel, but how we think. Paul tells the Corinthians and, and, and us something really, really encouraging. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with me in verse 15. And he says there, the person with the Spirit, okay, so that we would assume that's those who know they're Christians, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, right? So that means that as we make judgments about things, it's not just our opinion, but if we really do have the Spirit, then there's a, there's a spiritual working in how we see and judge things. But such a person is not merely subject to human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that an amazing thing? That we, you and I, have the mind of Christ. Well, what does that mean? I mean, what, what is the mind of Christ? You know, I think for, for, to answer that, we'd have to at least go back a little bit and look at one of our earlier questions a couple of sermons back. Who is Jesus? And if we see Jesus as the living, breathing Spirit of God in the flesh, then it would be safe to say that the mind of Jesus is the mind of God. So whatever God thinks about, whatever God conjures up, however God feels, however God looks at things, well, then that would be reflected in what we see in Jesus, that he had that same mind. And that mind of God is really, as we go through the Bible, the wisdom of God. And before Jesus landed on this earth, it was understood that, that this mind, that his mind, would be that wisdom. Now, I want to look at one of the very earliest prophecies of Jesus. And this is in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. And you can just listen. Don't worry about trying to catch up. You can go back and look at the recording. A shoe will come up from the stump of Jesse. From its root, a, roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And so when Jesus was first being prophesied, it was said among him and, and part of him 
would be this wisdom and this understanding. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was really, really aware of this connection. And in Colossians chapter 3, Paul says this. Oh, hang on one second. The hazards of being outside. It's actually Colossians chapter 2. Paul says this about the wisdom in Jesus. I want you to know, this is verse 1, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of, and of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Paul knew when you look at Jesus, man, that's all the wisdom of God. Now, even more important than, than Paul getting it, Jesus clearly understood right from the beginning of his life who he was. And we read in John 12, verse 49, for I did not, this is Jesus, for I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I've spoken. And I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. And so God intended for Jesus to have all the wisdom of God from the beginning. Paul got it. Jesus was very clear with it. He knew exactly who he was and why he was here. here. So let's add it all up. If the mind of Christ is the wisdom of God, and if we have the mind of Christ, then what exactly do we have? And maybe more important than that, how do we use it in everyday life? You know, we, we sometimes measure how capable a person is by their IQ. And we give them a standardized test, right? So there's a standardized IQ test out there. And it tells us how smart they are. And then when we look at the results of that IQ test, then we, we determine how much potential that person might have. And then we, from that, we deduce maybe how successful they're going to be in life. But is that really a good measurement? Because can we really gauge somebody's successful life by their intellect alone? How many really smart people have done some really foolish things. Too often what's missing from our smarts is wisdom. So what is wisdom? Knowledge, insight, and perspective gained through experience, ready to be applied in practice. Now that, that's my own definition, that's how I see it. So what does that mean? It's part of how we think. And wisdom influences what we say and what we do and how we act in whatever situation we might be in. Well, how is that measured? How do we measure wisdom? Is there a test for that? Yes, there is. But it's measured over time. It doesn't come right away. Wisdom is how we process things. Paul says that we have the mind of Christ. How does that work? Look back at your life concerns. Which do you think would get you more from a place of insecurity to confidence? Wisdom 
or just smarts. See, I would much rather have wisdom. I would take it any time. Wisdom is how we process things. It's the ability to see the big picture. It's about making sound choices and right decisions. It's knowing that whatever situation you're in, how am I gonna be able to land on my feet? To be able to think through all the different parts of it. First Corinthians chapter two, go ahead and turn there beginning with me in verse one. Paul says, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. And my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Now that's something really interesting for Paul to say. Because if there was anybody that could boast in their intellect, it would probably have been Paul. He was one of the smartest men of his day, probably one of the, the best educated men of his day. But he says, no, it's not about how smart I am. It's about how much wisdom that I have. He doesn't talk about his intellect. He didn't come to impress them with his intellect. He came to them with the only thing that will have really any lasting impact. He says, a demonstration of the Spirit's power made alive through the cross of Christ. Now, the cross is an amazing thing. We all know that. And there's a good reason why Paul said, that's really the only thing that I want to know. And there's two amazing things that we, that we get from the cross, and they both come at baptism. One is forgiveness, so we get that clean slate. But the second is, you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. We call it the indwelling measure of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, it's, it's this peace of God that lives inside of you always. And I, I can't tell you everything that, that that does for you every day, because it works differently in all of our lives. But it's the power of God that's at work. It's very important. It's this amazing part of God that's, that's part of the, the, the molding process into the likeness of Christ because it opens up your mind to clear thinking and clear decision-making. It's the wisdom of God that works in your life. You go on to verse six. He says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. This is so practical, who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his wisdom. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. There is so much that is missed when Christ is not the center of your life. There's so much that's missed when we go through life just saying, I'll figure it out. I'll get the answer. If I read enough, if I do enough searches on the internet, if I, if I listen, if I, if, I, if I watch enough TV, if I, if I scour social media long enough, I'll get the answers. There's so much missed when we don't just stop and say, let me see what God has to say. 
what is God's wisdom about this, that, whatever it might be? There's so much that's missed. So many bad decisions that are made. I grew up seeing a lot of really bad decisions made in my family because of a lack of godliness. And you know what? I went on to make a lot of really bad decisions before I became a Christian because of a lack of godliness. But I became a Christian in 1985, not knowing anything about my future. But I did know what kind of marriage I want. I knew what kind of marriage I did not want because I had grown up seeing that all my life. I knew the kind of father I wanted to be because I knew the kind of father I didn't want to be. I knew the kind of family I wanted to have. I knew the kind of life I wanted to have. And when I first became a Christian, I said, you know what? I want a godly marriage. I want a godly family. I want to be a godly father. And I want to have a godly ministry. And look, I'm far from perfect. And, and those things that are in my life now are not perfect either. But I'm confident because I know I'm being led by the Spirit. And I think I'm wiser for it. And I think that God is leading me in the right direction to make the right decisions. Look at verse 10. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And we've received, what we received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who's from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The, the, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You know, one of the most amazing things about a life in Christ is that through this spirit from the wisdom, this wisdom from the spirit, we get to know how God thinks. We know the thoughts of the Almighty. And we know how to approach life in a very crazy and uncertain world. And it shows through our, our responsibility how responsible we are with what God has given us. As a parent, as a husband, as a father, as a son, as a daughter, as a friend, as a, as a Christian. We know how to be responsible with what's been entrusted to us because we have the mind of Christ. Our perspective on life, how we view things going on around us. And there's so much going on around us. What am I supposed to think? I get asked a lot. How should a Christian think about this, this, and all the things going on? And my answer is really simple. Look in the Bible. Pray. See what, see what God thinks. Pray for the wisdom to, to, to bring itself forth that God's already given you through his spirit. 
It's already in your heart. It's already in your mind. Just think, what would God do? What would God say? We have a great perspective on things. Our priorities, what's important in life, where my focus should be. Morality, righteousness, integrity, how we should be thinking and living. The answer's already in your heart and in your mind. Because we have the heart and the mind of Christ. So along the way, we're going to have plenty of challenges and plenty of issues and a lot of things to talk about. But the good news is, remember, we have the answers. We have the solutions. And we have the hope. Because as Christians, it's not just left up to us to figure it out. We have the mind of Christ. Amen. Thanks. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.